Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica, and we have a new guest, well, new for our misogynist of the week. Um, We have Brittany Andrew Amofa, who, uh, if you've listened to this week's episode, is the Senior Policy and Research Analyst at the Broadbent Institute. Welcome, Brittany. Hi. Okay, so now we have misogynist of the week, and um, this is very much, uh, I feel this is so up our alley. So our misogynist of the week is Alyssa Milano. That's right. Now, you may find it questionable as to why Alyssa Milano is our misogynist of the week, but bear with us. So last week, Republican Governor Brian Kemp signed the controversial Living Infants Fairness and Equality Act, LIFE Act, uh, though to ban abortion, basically, which will go into effect in January 2020. So the new abortion law bans abortion as soon as a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is at about six weeks into pregnancy. In response, Alyssa Milano has urged women to take part in a sex strike to protest against that new law. Quote, until women have legal control over our own bodies, we just cannot risk pregnancy. Join me by not having sex until we get our bodily autonomy back. So there was a heavy discussion on this on Twitter. As you can only imagine, Brittany, what are your initial thoughts? Okay, so I really try not to be judgmental around Me too. people's advocacy. I do, and I really try to be open about it and understand the place that they're coming from. So sex strikes are interesting because it's it's not a new thing. I think women have been referring to this for quite some time, I'd say decades maybe since maybe the birth of the feminist movement. And I, I think it originated in a sense of like autonomy and, and reclaiming power, reclaiming one's ability to make a decision over their body, right? And if you think about the time in which maybe this originated in, at one point in time, this would have been extremely effective. You know, women were still largely seen as... Um, being owned by their husbands, uh, women were still like quite financially dependent um, uh, on their husbands, probably up until the 1960s, right? Before women massively entered into the workforce. Um, I think 1940, sorry, massively entered the workforce of World War II. I think with the Western world, that was a, that was a huge shift. Um, so when women being positioned in this way, sex was kind of the only thing they had that they can use as leverage in that moment in time. Now, you know, decades later, feminism and, you know, our our narrative and our understanding around feminism has, has quite evolved and has become far more expansive and uh, inclusive. I I don't think it's as effective as maybe it could, it once could have been. 
Um, I, I, I do see that for some women in that moment in time, that can be used as a source of power to leverage, to be like, you are not listening to me or you are infringing on my rights or I'm being silent. I'm not going to take it anymore. How that could be a wake up call for men, you know, who still, you know, view women's bodies as like property who, you know, largely want to benefit from women's bodies. I could see it happening for some women who maybe not have access to other power um, tools in, in other, in other aspects of their lives. I think as an overall movement, I think our consciousness around sex and, and, and women's role in that act and activity is, 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 has evolved um, exponentially and we're no longer there. Right. Um, I think so. Mm-hmm. All that to say is, I don't think it's as effective as it once was. So she can do that, all power to her and all power to the women who choose to do that and feel like it can leverage or amplify their voice in that moment in time. But I think something like this requires a much more coordinated effort. And I love when you brought in, uh, what, are the, what are corporate women doing? I think that that's really important. How are they leveraging their power and and, and their voice to help amplify this specific um, movement and the issue around access to women's basically reproductive health services? Uh, I think impacting the economy, I think, is an effective way to address this. I, I loved her call to be like, let's ship businesses out of Georgia. You know, hit them where it hurts. I think that's far more effective. And I, I think it sends a much stronger message than, you know, still reducing women to their bodies and what they're able to give men. So that's my that's my position on the subject. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually, when I, I didn't tweet derision at this when I first heard it because I wasn't sure. Like, I wasn't sure about a lot of things. Um, But what I was sure of is that I find that we're just recycling this, like with this, it just didn't feel right. It felt like we were recycling what a woman's place and position is. And it sounded along the lines of like pre-women's movement women, like you said, when women didn't really have choices, women didn't really, and I like what you brought up, which was women didn't really have the economic leverage that they Mm -hmm. do now. And so should we go back to old tactics like that to prove a point? I'm not sure. I think that, um, you know, I will, I will add some points from, uh, I think where your voice uh, which is an online digital magazine for intersectional feminism critique, has done a pretty good job. Um, Laura Witt, who is, or Vitt, who is um, the editor-in-chief for Where Your Voice, had some good thoughts on this. And I just, it just seems a bit exclusive to me. So, Where Your Voice said this. So there was a piece in there that said this. Uh, People do, here's the thing. People do respect vaginas. The issue that they don't respect the people who have them. Reducing us to our genitalia is counterproductive 
because that's what misogynists do every day. They see us as walking vulvas available for their consumption instead of taking to, into account that we are not just bundles of sexuality for their own pleasure. This line also ignores how not all women have vaginas and that trans women, especially trans women of color, are subjected to trans misogyny and disproportionate rates of violence, abuse, and murder. And also, this is Laura Vitt's Twitter thread, erasing LGBTQ2 plus folks from the discussion and centering solutions around cis heterosexual sex yeah. is counterproductive. This, this idea frames sex as something that hetero women are subjected yeah. to rather than enthusiastic participants in as poor working class women, black, indigenous, and women of color, reproduction rights and reproduction justice advocates and activists have said for years, access to abortion is very much a matter of class, wealth, poverty, gender, race, and solutions like Alyssa Milano's are reductive and infantile, and also they don't work is what people have said. <laughs> I feel like she has to end it like, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, and but after all of I... that, it doesn't work. Because... Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, like, our understanding of feminism has evolved. Yes. Um, and she, she described it, um, or she broke it down. It, she broke it down much more eloquently, but in terms of, like, our understanding of who's included in our fight for fem, um, feminism, in, our, in, in the fight for feminism, right? And that does include trans women, that does include non-binary um, folks. So so I, I love how she broke that down. And then uh, there was another line where she says, um, it's something that women don't want to do. So it's like, when you say it, it's almost a, as if women lose their agency and want to yes. participate in the act of sex. So, and whereas maybe one t- in one point in time, one point in time, women did not really have a choice. You know, right. or the, the choice wasn't as freely or, or widely accepted to have that choice and to have agency in that particular area. So as much as I do think, I think the thread's a little bit harsh. I mean, I don't really consider Melissa Milano, Alyssa Milano, like a feminist leader or scholar by any means. So that's why I really try to give a little leeway for folks who are trying to ting, you know, folks who are yeah. trying and she, she yeah. obviously cares deeply about this issue. Um, so I do think the thread was like, ouch, but uh, mm-hmm. I think she, she raised all the points that I think are, are quite necessary to have a more critical understanding of, of this particular tactic and, and whether it's effective or not. Yeah. And I think, um, I, look, I know this is where the road to hell are paved with good intentions. I think I agree with you. I, I actually think Alyssa Milano's intentions are good. Um, but I think she's blinded by, I mean, this is a woman who's been a child star since she was like 12 or 11 and she's been a star for so long. And I would like, love to see Melissa, Alyssa Milano more position herself within the Hollywood construct of what that looks like. And I guess in a way she did because she's also part of the, um, the Hollywood strike. Or, or resistance against this. I get that. I 
I just think that some, I just wish she would consult other people <laughs> before, she... before she goes on these things. And, and I feel like her being included in this sort of misogynist of the week is more about how women of privilege themselves who are in the fight don't seem to consult other people and don't seem to run it by other people. And there was this whole thing today on Twitter about how she she emailed somebody and said that she had spoken to Stacey Abrams and there was this whole thing. Anyway, all this to say that I think they're really, this is a point where we know better, we should think better, I feel. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot more intersectional considerations. And I think that's what bothered me is that this was not intersectional at all. It talked about a certain woman, it like only a certain woman in a certain place in a certain construct can do this. Because what if your partner or man or whatever is abusive? Then what? Maybe you don't have that option in that framework. Mm-hmm. Then what? Like it's in in fact her advice for them is dangerous. <laughs> and that's my problem amongst all others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, with that, um this is quite a short misogynist of the week because you have to go Brittany. I- and let me respect your time frames. And like I said, it's like 8.30. Game of Thrones is on at 9. And I still have to call my mom. So <laughs> um, where can people find you again? People can find me on Twitter. On Twitter, yes. At Brittany Amofa. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. A-M-O-F-A-H. And um, now... Do you have any upcoming projects or people you want to shout out? Oh, bring attention to? Do I want to bring attention to? That's such a great question. No, just listen. I can, I can, um, I can edit out this part of you thinking about it. So you just think about it, and I will get my paper ready. Hmm. Um. I think I just want to shout out my mom. Yeah, shout her um, out, man. Yeah, my mom is an amazing, strong, <sighs> remarkably resilient Black woman. And I've learned so much from her in terms of what does it mean to provide for yourself? Uh, what does it mean to overcome, you know, life's hardships and continuing to have hope and, and and faith that things will be okay. Uh, she came to this country, you know, as an adult. Um, she had me with my father. They broke up while I was young. She was a single mother, worked upwards to three jobs at a time. She went back to college at the age of 50. Um, wow. She, yeah, yeah. She went to do her ECE. And um, I think she worked her entire life to try to save up to buy a home. And she ended up doing that in her 50s, actually. And uh, she just never gave up hope of, of that vision and that goal for herself. And it's just something that's so inspiring to watch. And I take a lot of my work ethic from her. So I'm very grateful that I've had her as an example of 
you know, what it means to be a strong woman. And then I hope to pass that on to, to my future daughter if I, if I have one. So I, um, yeah, like I echo that my mom, my mom is the reason I have both a like warish side, <laughs> like a warrior side and like an empathetic side. She's like, she's both in one. She is one of the most loving people you will meet, but she like, she is, but still strong, you know? And she raised me with a definition of womanhood that I don't think is expressed much in Canada. And it is this idea that being feminine just automatically equates to you being strong and that the two things are not mutually exclusive. And um, I don't know, like, I feel like, and she's always been, she's always had my back. And that's really important um, for all of us. And, you know, she imparted a sense of a love of, of our ancestry that I think has made me into who I am. This Both my parents have been really good at downloading the culture, but my mom has this like extra joy from it that she has imparted onto me and has helped me navigate who I am because that's that has always been a part of who I am. So yeah. So shout out to both of our mothers and um, to our moms. Yes. And wow. Like, first of all, like your mom must be absolutely proud the hell out of you. She must be so proud. And um, like my mom is too. And the ability to like realize that, so first of all, I think both of our mothers are ones who sacrifice for our betterment. And I think that's something very important to put out there Mm -hmm. that they left themselves without so that we could be better. Mm -hmm. And I will never, ever, I'm going to cry. You're going to, Brittany, you're going to make me tear up right now because I'm I'm really emotional right now because like what I you know, when I was at my lowest, where if she could even give like a piece, just like a little piece, just to make me that little bit much better, she would without question. And I don't know what motherhood is like out there anymore in these times. I don't know how many people have experienced that from their mothers. All I know is that Till my dying day, I will be thankful for the mother God gave me. Mm-hmm. So on that note, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a little bit emotional, but on that note, um, we're going to say bye and, and, um, oh shit. I got to say what 
where you can find us, right? The outro. Sorry. So Facebook, facebook.com uh, slash bad and be podcast, Twitter at bad and bitchy, Instagram at bad and bitchy pod, email bad and be pod at gmail.com, Patreon, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy and merch redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy. This feels kind of, I went through that really quickly because I'm really like, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really proud of her. I'm really, really proud of her too. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm really like your mom must be hella amazing to have, you've gone through like, girl, you've leveled like nobody's business. You know what I mean? And I feel like you're one of the leading new voices in progressive politics, like a leading voice. And um, shout out to your mom and happy Mother's Day to both of them. And um, all the best. And like, I don't even know your mom and I'm like (laughs) impressed by her just because I know her daughter. Yeah. So... On that note, we'll say our buys, but we can say like a a lesson. Let's not go all Becky. Let's just be like bye. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. So one, two, three. Bye. bye. <laughs> I know, I know that's different, but I think um, it's an emotional bye. I'm saying mm-hmm, so. definitely, and thank you for those those kind words and well wishes towards her yes i truly truly deeply mean it because i see you and i see how you roll out there and let's be real to raise a black woman on you know assistance going to the point where you are a senior policy advisor at the broadband institute is nothing to sneeze at is nothing to dismiss and is everything that is the hope that we have for this country. So anyway, on that note, on that note, Brittany, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. And I want to hear everything you do. And I will be continuously following you on social media to see where you get to, because I'm rooting for you too. Thank you so much. That means so much to hear. Thank you. And I can't wait. I'm so excited for all the great and exciting things that you're doing and the column that you just got. It's it's an exciting time and I'll be watching as closely um, for the work that you produce as well. Thank you. All right. So on that note, we'll say bye. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye, everyone. 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 Bye, everyone.